In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I suspect that you know at least one person who says that they don't need to read the Bible because they already know what's in it. Maybe it's a friend, a co-worker, a family member. Maybe it's somebody you know from church. If you dare to press them a little bit, you might discover that this person is convinced not only do they know the Bible already, but they don't need to read the Bible because it boils down to two things. One, it's full of arcane moral laws and lofty platitudes. Or two, it's full of threats for those who don't follow those laws or live up to those platitudes. And then you hear a gospel reading like we had today, and all of a sudden you understand why people think that. I mean, really, don't be afraid, Jesus says. Sell your possessions. You must be ready. These feel more like pious catchphrases than anything a serious 21st century person might want to consider in their life. Except it was more evident in the printed version than in the spoken version, except there was one phrase, one passage, that can't be overlooked. And it really does change everything about what this gospel lesson says. Jesus says, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Did you catch that for all of its value? God doesn't only want to give us things. God doesn't just hope that will be okay or do all right. God isn't sitting around with the ledger book checking off if we do something good and right, earning God's favor, or if we do something bad, making sure that we're towing the line or capable of receiving a word of punishment. Rather, What Jesus says is that God wants to give us the kingdom and all the good things that come with that. In fact, Jesus says that it is your father's good pleasure. That is that God really, really, really wants to include us in God's reign and all the good things that come from that. And anchored by the promise that God wants to give us all these good things, we then hear some of the commands or suggestions that Jesus says a little differently. It changes everything. It's one thing for someone to demand something of you. It's another thing when that person is a loved one who seeks only what is best for you. 
like a parent who really does love you and scolds you just to teach you how important some things are in life so you don't hurt yourself later on. Or a coach who wants you to do your best, so is hard on you, so you'll push yourself to your own limits. Intention, attitude, disposition, relationship, these are the things that really make a difference. And so anchored by the promise that God really does want to give us all good things, we hear these commandments and injunctions from Jesus a little differently. God wants us to not be so beset by worries that we miss everything else in life. God doesn't want us to be so consumed by greed and the love of things that we miss out on the real happiness that comes from being in a relationship with God. Rather, God wants us to have and enjoy an abundant life that comes from authentic community and right relationships with God and one another. As for being on the lookout for the coming kingdom, Jesus doesn't want us to miss when God comes in ways that might surprise us. Because think about that. When does Jesus come to you? Sometimes it's when a total stranger says something to you or you're reading something and it all of a sudden something makes sense or in a dream, if you're so focused on things, so focused on what it is that you want to do in your life, so focused on your job, all those other things that maybe get in the way, you might not hear what God is saying to you. It's easy to miss the God who comes to us in love and grace, when all we expect is God coming to us in law and judgment. Even when we recognize that God's gracious motivation changes the way we hear these commands, it still is hard for us to keep them. And why? Maybe it's because so much of the rest of our lives are filled by demands, both great and small. Like this unwritten demand that as you grow older, you have to accumulate more things. You have to have bigger this and better that. It's just expected, isn't it, that somehow in your job and vocation, you rise up in the ranks Sometimes that creates this false security, though. Or what about the demand to prove your worth day in and day out? That somehow you have to make um, a list and present it to someone or to God to say, I've used this time wisely. But then so often we forget to put on our list those moments when we've been in prayer 
or in meditation or were thinking about someone else and their welfare. In this day and age, it's hard to trust God's promises and to give over our worries and live more fully and generously. When I was young and something frightened me, it was comforting to hear my parents say, oh, don't be afraid. There was an authority in their adulthood, in their bigness, that took away some of the fear or all of the fear. So if they said, don't worry, we're here, that was enough. They had the situation in hand. Everything would be all right. There was nothing else to do. Fear melted with the warmth of that gentle word of reassurance, don't be afraid. But most of us aren't little anymore. Who speaks this word for us in our adult world? If Jesus is able to speak to us in the middle of the night, what would Jesus say? If Jesus could be with us in our dreams, what would Jesus say? Can Jesus be the one to help us with these fears that the world is changing too fast, that the church is changing too fast, that we have less and less control, we don't know where we fit in anymore. Well, maybe what Jesus would be saying to all of us are these same words after all. Sell your possessions. To become poor? No, but to become free. So much of the ministry of Jesus was about helping people find freedom in their life, and he still does that today. Jesus invites us to become free of all that would grab hold of us in our world. All the worries, all the possessions, all the complications of life, and turn away from them into a richer and fuller relationship of faith, of service, of love with God and one another. Outside of these passages from the gospel reading today, but deeply inside their message, is the great voice of the Creator reminding us really how much we are loved, not for what we have, but for who we are as children of God. We are treasures too, servants of God who are blessed by the Holy One. Our economic statting, our homes, our wealth really don't matter so much to God as much as they matter to us and those around us. What matters is our lives and what we do with our lives, how we live, how we approach issues of justice, how we care for the poor among us, how we treat one another in our daily life. Our success in worldly things really means nothing but our success 
in being a child of God in this reign of God means everything. People sometimes say we do our house cleaning in the spring, right? Spring cleaning. But maybe summer is not a bad time to take another look at all that we possess and inventory in our hearts and minds the spiritual treasures that we really do have, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that keep us faithful, the friends who love us without condition, the church that keeps us in communion with each other and holds us near to God, the beauty of this world that belongs to every human being. It's a good time, maybe, to look up at the stars in awe. I'm sorry we're not going to be able to see the meteor shower tonight. And remember that God who made us made all of that and more. But they are nothing compared with the treasure that we have of being loved by this same God who asks us to show that love and care to everyone else that we meet. Jesus really can be our treasure, our priceless treasure. And the more we share Jesus with others, the more we hold on to Jesus too. Amen.